0: Well, hello everybody. Uh, this is Pastor Leon, and I'm here with Meredith. And this is Pastor Cast number 39, the long-awaited Pastor Cast 39. <laughs> and if you are wondering,
1: all by all by waited for by all tens of our listeners,
0: <laughs> the tens of our listeners. <laughs> but if you're wondering, like why we sound so awesome, it's because we have new podcasting. I'm equipment so today. excited. Uh, <laughs> That was part of the reason why, that was one of the many reasons why we uh, had, neg- had waited for a while to do the podcast is because uh, we decided that if we were going to do a podcast, we were going to start doing it right um, and uh, not to do it like we sounded like we were talking through a tube.
1: Well, now, in fairness to us, when we started, this kind of technology was not cheap. Now it's cheap, so that makes yeah, a big difference. Yeah,
0: actually, it is. Um, yeah, for less, I guess it's less than three hundred dollars. Man, you can get all of the stuff that you need so for you your too, own podcast. Yeah,
1: you too can have a podcast that nobody will listen to, and then you can
0: sound really awesome um, like you're on
1: the radio. How about my Delilah voice? Oh, One hundred and seven point yes. <laughs> seven. All the hits. All right, enough of that. All right, what are we so, talking about today?
0: Um, yes. And so kind of what we're, we're going to be doing, and I just want to do a little bit of uh, housekeeping stuff, is um, we are going to be uh, kind of reinventing our, our pastor PastorCast. Uh, so it's going to be, um, uh, we're going to have a lot more guests. Uh, there's going to be um, a lot uh, of different topics that we're going to be discussing, and mostly just kind of um, having some you know, discussions about uh, how to sort of live this whole Jesus-following life. Uh, out in the out in the world out in the, the our culture and our society like how do we do this um you know and so i think living into the name of pastor cast you know just trying to um you know ha- you know as as pastors like as a pastor couple um because that's i mean no, no meredith is not ordained she always grimaces when i you know cuz we're not we're not like the ones that are on the billboard together no we're not yes uh, but uh, at any rate um, we do this, we do share this life together, and it's something that we take very seriously. And, uh, and so just kind of, you know, helping people um, as we learn, uh, you know, together how to live the Christian life uh, in a different way, um, you know, just kind of living into this new, this, uh, this new culture, this new sort of 21st century life that we're all living into. Um, so how do we do that better? Um, how do we do that um, in a compelling way so that people are not turned off? Uh, by uh, the term Christian, so that we can kind of reclaim that. Um, anyway, that's kind of. I know that those are all like super bold things, they right? Are bold. Super bold,
1: but we're going to be working for it. So that's yeah, and we're going to hopefully help people work along with us. So that's the goal.
0: Well, and I think a lot of this has to do with story, and so that's a huge. That's a huge part of what we want to do is to be able to tell stories. And uh, so today, we're actually going to be uh, sharing a bit of a story that uh, Meredith uh, was living. Uh, for the past uh, week and change, I guess. Right.
1: Um,
0: so, uh, Meredith, would you just tell us a little bit about the the trip that you went to Guatemala? So, our, our, just to give you a little bit of background, um, our church, Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church in Austin, Texas, um, has been doing a mission trip to Guatemala for for quite a few years. I don't
1: know, almost a decade, a maybe. De- yeah, has maybe been over, a over a decade, long time.
0: Um, and it has uh, it has various iterations. I mean, it's transformed over the years, and I think now has. Um, really, we're starting to kind of reimagine it again. Um, you know, like what what new things is God calling us to do in Guatemala? I feel like we are still being called there as a church. Um, there was probably like 30 some odd uh, people I that think came. I
1: 32 on this trip.
0: 32, so a, a lot of folks went. Uh, and uh, we did a lot of different projects. So uh, at any rate, I just want to kind of... Um, have you tell your story. And what we wanted to focus on today, I think, was the idea and the story of presence. You know, like what what, what um, role does, does presence play in our lives? Like us being present with others, and then also uh, as we are being present with others, and then as others are being present with us, how do we then see the presence of God uh, in the midst of that? And how do we experience the presence of God in new ways? And so, yeah, just maybe Talk through that.
1: So um, for those listeners who don't know me, um, just a short background. I am an attorney. I have a, um, I'm a member of a thriving law practice. I also have a thriving title company. I have a thriving family. I have a thriving husband. I am a busy gal. And um, unfortunately for me, I have learned to assess my value in many situations based on what I can contribute. So I don't always need to be in a leadership position to feel valued, I, but I do need to feel like that I have some skill or some thing that I can add that makes something better. I'm not really good at just being still and being present in situations. So um, this uh, uh, was a really, ch- uh, and, and I'm changing, and this trip has helped me change, and here's how. So um, we have a relationship in Guatemala that started with a water system. So um, our church has put in these water systems, and they're not wells the way people, uh, you know, imagine like going to Africa and drilling a well. These are water systems that treat the water that is available so that, um, you know, people in the community can drink it safely. And part of our um, installing these systems with this, um, uh, you know, international company that we work with is we have to Promise that we will spend three years. And the promise was only that we would spend three years going back and checking on the water system and making sure that the water system was working properly and that those people that had been trained with the water system knew how relationships with those communities where we were serving. Mm. And those relationships grew deeper and deeper and deeper over the years. And so right now we have two primary locations. One is at, at the Hogar which is a children's home, and the other is at a school. Um, And so we've developed these relationships. And so I was assigned to the school team, and I got there and very quickly ascertained that I do not have a skill that these folks needed, Um, or at least I thought they didn't need me. I began the trip extremely frustrated. I was sharing with my partners, um, my mission partners that I, you know, what can I do? I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at digging trenches. I'm not good at, you know, none of the things that I believe that I have to offer, um, I were available to me to feel like I could contribute. And, uh, so the first day I was able to take mass, participate in mass with the nuns in the convent where we were staying. And I believe that that's when God began to change my heart. Um, and it was, a, a, by the end of the trip, a, a dramatic shift in this understanding of presence. I was able to participate in Mass. And because Mass is the same almost everywhere around the world, um, when we would come to, the, of course, the Mass was said in Spanish, when we would come to the responsorial part, I would say the response in English, right alongside my, my sister in Christ, the nun that was like four feet tall, Mayan nun, um, saying the response in Spanish. And then, of course, we all went forward together and partook of the body of Christ together. And it was that, at that moment that God began to work on my heart to help me understand that actually the be- best gift I can give, whether it's in Guatemala or Austin or Claremont, is the gift of presence.
0: So say a little more about the the sort of anxious feeling that you got um, when you when you started thinking Okay, I I don't have anything to contribute, um, you know, so so kind of ex- talk a little bit about where that comes from, you know, so you did talk about how, you know, yes, you use the word thriving a lot, I really loved the word thriving when it came to me, that uh, I feel, that made me feel good, like yeah. I'm thriving.
1: You are thriving, we are yeah. thriving together. So,
0: but, but say a little more about that, because, you know, there, there's so much of your, you know, it, I, think, I, I suspect that it has to do with identity.
1: It does, and here's the thing. And I think that a lot of us are succumbing to this, and it's a false narrative. So part of how I always understood myself was uh, a necessity of being useful and good at the thing that I was participating in. Mm. So, for example, um, I am a good mom if I, fill in the blank, drive to all the events, make sure all the lunches are packed, uh, make sure all the opportunities are provided. I am a good employer if... Um, I'm uh, generating a lot of business, I'm a good lawyer if I'm getting great outcomes, I'm a good wife if I'm meeting your needs. So all of my sense of of identity um, is so much wrapped up in the idea of accomplishment and a busyness. Right. Um, and uh, And so when you take someone like me, and I suspect a lot of my list, all of our listeners here are trapped in that false dichotomy, right? Um, that you have to be busy and useful to be um, to be important or to be necessary in God's kingdom. So I, you take someone like me and you plot me in Guatemala where there's literally no nothing to do that I am good at. Right. Like, literally. Like, the rug is ripped out from under me. I don't mind the living conditions weren't nice. I don't mind unusual food. I don't mind what was really the challenge to me is there was nothing that I perceived I was good at for me to do. And that's a hard place for me to be. And I suspect it's a hard place for a lot of our listeners to be.
0: Yeah, because when your identity is, and, and, it's, and I think it's even deeper than that, because for so many of us, um, when we are put in situations where we feel like we are not enough, Mm. Like that I, that whatever I have to give is not ever going to be enough for this thing, like this moment, this Mm -hmm. situation, this circumstance, this mission or whatever. Um, That I, I'm all of the resources that I think that I have, that I draw on in my everyday life, um, where I am successful, I'm (laughs) capable, people think that I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. um, You know, all those things, like you said, when the rug is ripped out from under you, you know, what do you do then? You know, you know, if your identity is found in your ability to succeed or to be capable or to be thought of as successful and capable, whatever, you know, that might. Both probably. Yeah. Um, If you're if that is where your identity is. And so many of us, we you know, even though we would say if somebody says, is your identity, your work or is your identity, your ability to be successful or to be capable or to handle, you know, all the you'd be like, no, of course not. Um, you know, we would all want our identity to be bigger and deeper than that. But unfortunately, like you said, we do get caught in a trap where
1: sometimes that's what happens. Well, I will tell you before this trip, if you had asked me, was my identity as wrapped up in what I do, not just work, but what I do as a wife, mom, whatever, I would have said, Oh, absolutely. I find my identity in Christ, blah, 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 blah. I found out on this trip, um, that I w- was deceiving myself right? Um, at, because the rug was ripped out from under me. And all of a sudden, I had nothing to succeed at. There was nothing I could do that I could contribute in my mind so, until God changed my heart.
0: So the turning point came when you, were, when you took the Mass. You started to feel differently.
1: The, the Mass started the turn. Okay. Because as a Catholic, uh, even for Protestant listeners, you know the idea of coming to the table... With these women in the convent, who are about as different from me as is possible to be, right? They are Mayan women. They um, really have limited education, which the education they have for Guatemala is, out, is amazing, but certainly not, you know, what I have been able to enjoy. Um, they're nuns. I'm like not a nun. Um, Thanks be to God. <laughs> but but the fact that we were united together. Um, and hearing our combined voices mm. um, started the turn um, and started started my thinking. And then my kind of my discussions with my mission partners, uh, one thing that we really were able to accomplish as a mission team was real honesty with each other Right. every morning. And then again in the evening, we would kind of go over our day. And um, it was so great to hear everybody being honest. And I was being honest. I'm, I, I was telling them, guys, I'm really struggling here because yeah. I have nothing to contribute. Yeah. And then... And then, but God, right, as I always like to say, but God, I learned what I have to offer um, not just when I'm in Guatemala, but when I'm in Austin and when I'm in Claremont and when I'm in Chicago and when I'm wherever I go, and that is that is um, presence and the importance of presence.
0: okay, so so say some more about how that sort of unfolded um, as you began you know kind of working your way out of that and kind of having Some, you know, God moments where, you know, God was sort of revealing God's self to you and the presence of God and your own understanding of presence and what you were being called to. So say more about that. Yeah.
1: So, you know, when I got there, I had planned on doing mission work. It was going to work, you know, work in the work in the quotes. There was going to be there was going to be projects that I was going to be able to contribute to. And it became pretty obvious to me by halfway through the second day that I, you know, like I said before, I didn't have any skills. So I started wrestling with God and, and, and saying, like, why am I here? Um, at one point, I said out loud to God, I could be at home working, making more money to pay people in Guatemala to do a better job than I was doing at setting the computers, like, you right. know, putting an, uh, antivirus on the computers. I remember actually saying that out loud to God. Um, and, but but so when I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, I can't do I, I, I don't have a skill. So what I started to do then is actually open my eyes and look at the people mm. around me. Yeah, And not just the, the, the Guatemalan kids at the school, but also my, my mission partners. And then God started to light me up. and I began having these great interactions with the Guatemalan kids. Um, I taught them, the cha-cha slide and the cupid shuffle and the wobble. And then they taught me kind of two of their popular dances. And then we, they, they wanted to see pictures on my iPhone. And um, they wanted to, to talk to me and, and show me things and bring things to my attention. And then I started this, you know, continual interaction with them. Even when I was on the job site, they would come and they would help. And I realized that I didn't really have anything useful to give to them except letting them know that some middle-aged white lady from America cared enough to come to them and talk to them and try to talk to them in my crazy Spanglish and hug them and kiss them and love them and pray for them. And um, I began to see that just taking the time to be present with these kids and the moms and the teachers was way more valuable than anything I thought I would have been able to contribute, and it was, and it was beautiful and life giving, to the fact that I could communicate with with people that I, I don't even speak the same language, but we, you know, communicated through love. Mm. Um, I don't know any other way to say it than that. They right. looked in my eyes and they saw that I, I loved them, and I it just God changed my heart and and made me realize that it's not just in Guatemala where that's the best gift. I can give. Right. It is at the grocery store. It is with you. It is with my friends. Just listening, just letting people know that I love them, living that out, letting people know that they are noticed. Um. And the the trip ended not intentionally, but serendipitously, or through God, with a mass again with the nuns. That mm-hmm. was the last thing I did again. Yeah. And it. And I was struck once more. That was kind of the bookend to yeah. the. To God teaching me um, the importance of presence, no matter where I am, and truly, this stuff that I think makes a difference, this, these accomplishments or achievements are you know blah blah that's not how we're going to transform the kingdom we 're going to transform the kingdom through the power of presence uh,
0: so this is not lost on me I think the, the sort of like you said, the bookends of that of how that began and ended for you. I mean, at least your time there at the convent before you guys moved on uh, to, you know, back to Antigua and and then back home. But you're talking about presence. Well, your sort of transformation and the journey and the opening uh, up of your mind and your heart and and your spirit began with presence and ended sort of with presence. Right. You know, so the presence of Christ uh, in, you know, in the Mass and... um,
1: And, you know, for those who believe in the literal presence of Christ in the elements, whether that's your belief or whether you believe that it's symbolic, here's the really cool thing. Christ is present in and through everything. Right. Right. Not just in the elements of mass. Right. Christ is present in all and through all, all the time. Absolutely. And all we have to do is open up our eyes. And we can start that by just opening up our eyes to the people around us. Yeah. And then whatever situation we're in, whether it's in Guatemala or the HEB. The power of presence starts, to me, it starts with the power of presence.
0: So, you know, a lot of times I think what happens when, um, you know, Americans descend on uh, developing world um, countries, uh, countries that are, you know, we would call the developing world, I think, um, you know, th- these are countries that have gone through some pretty significant shifts and some some traumatic uh, and a lot of times that uh, some traumatic uh experiences in Guatemala is no difference. different different uh, forty years of human conflict um, in Guatemala
1: in which uh, uh, a, a couple hundred a couple thousand hundred people, people, people died yeah uh, uh, were were murdered by a regime supported by the United States government
0: mostly mayans yes the people that mostly were,
1: indigenous populations yeah the right.
0: people that were serving um, so you know, there's a grace that's involved in that as well. You know, the fact that we are able to go there as Americans, who in many ways, um, in the eyes of some people, would have been the supporter of, you know, this government that that was pretty heavy-handed.
1: They would they know. would call a murderous regime Absolutely. is what it was for them, and the fact that they welcome us with such open arms. Yeah. You know, I know it's humbling, to, it's humbling, it's, isn't it's it? humbling. and I know. You know, where we were, the, the village where we were serving is particularly poor, very, yeah. very poor. Yeah. Uh, not enough food, not enough water, not enough clothes. I mean, it, as bad as it gets. But I noticed as I was walking around in the afternoons home, home from the work site or to the worksite, so much more community. Um, so many more women talking to each other, laughing with each other, smiling with each other. Um, you know, they go and communally wash their clothes, for example, um so different than than we are in our you know stuck in our phone kind of world, uh you know staring at our iphone and and not at the people around us and it it struck me that these people who were poorer were actually richer in relationships. That was a beautiful thing to see
0: yeah so let's let's take this into our own context, so you know kind of building off of that, you know so kind of thinking through some of the things that perhaps Um, our listeners could think about when it comes to, you know, sort of living into the idea of of being present and then also experiencing the presence, um, Mm. the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you touched on one thing, you know, I mean, I think we can, we can sit around and bemoan the fact that there was a time in our culture in our, in our, in our country and probably um, within our lifetime, I would say, you know, because I remember when I was a kid, uh, there were things that we did with our neighbors that were more communal. I mean, people did more communal things, I think. We did, yeah. Um, But, you know, that was uh, it's really interesting. Uh, Robert Putnam wrote about this, and he he says that one of the things that transformed America was the invention of the garage door opener. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there was a time when you would pull up and you would have to get out of your car to open your garage, and if your neighbors were out in the yard, then you would call to them. They would say, hello, how was your day? I mean, there was like a connection that you would have. Now we just open our garages, drive in, and we never have to see our neighbors. Don't you remember when
1: you were a kid playing and playing with gangs of kids? Yeah. Like I remember playing with like all, like, the, all kids the kids in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood. We would yeah. play outdoors all time, and that's not happening anymore. Our kids are digitally connecting over video games.
0: So we can we can sit around and you know, be back in my day, we can bemoan all that that's stuff. That's not helpful. It's there's no going back.
1: Yep.
0: So what do we do now to sort of intentionally um you know, kind of experience this—to experience community, the presence of others in community, to experience being present, fully present with others in their need, or um, just being able to connect with other people—and then um, throughout all that, being able to experience the presence of God. What are some things that you would you would think would be uh, important for people to sort of hold on to, and maybe something they can they can start doing?
1: Right. So, in no particular order, I, I want to talk about the importance of church as community. Oh yeah. Um.
0: Well, and again, we need to have a disclaimer here because obviously, you know, we are, this is part of our life. Right. Um, But I, but the reason why it's part of our life and the reason why is because we value community. Absolutely.
1: So, um, you know, I think there used to be an idea that church was something you would go to on Sunday. Right. Um, and you would hear a sermon and hopefully it would be good and you would go to Sunday school and hopefully you'd learn something. And that was kind of what you did. Yep. Um, We're trying to build a church or continue a church, I should say, which is, I don't want to, they've always been a great community. Yes. We're trying to continue and build on that um, and find um, that we support each other in life. Yes. So we try to spend a lot of time with folks and encourage a lot of folks to spend a time with other people. Um, and give everyone as many opportunities as they can to be present and supportive of one another, to to really make it a true community that does life together, which includes admitting and talking about horrible struggles, getting through birth, life, death, uh, divorce, alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, pornographic addiction, just all the things that everybody's facing. We're trying to just pull through together. Um, And I think that's why Christ exhorted us to form community together mm-hmm. um so that we could do life together encourage each other for the purpose of um sharing that then with the rest of the world that yeah. that needs Jesus and needs us to be in presence with them so so church to me is super important and making time to be a part of your church community not just a consumer but a participant in the good and the bad and the ugly of church
0: yeah um, I mean, I, I can't overstate that. Um, I mean, it's just there's no way to overstate it. I mean, I I, I really and truly believe um, that in the way that our society, the way that our culture is sort of you know shifting, um, that a an open, loving, um, caring, you know, forgiving community of faith is absolutely so necessary for all of us. Amen. Um, you know, and and. One that, like I said, you know, one that is like just meeting people where they are, living in into community where we are. Um, and you sometimes know, that means and all.
1: We have to put yeah, warts and all. Sometimes it means we have to put up with people that are not our favorite people, right? But they're part of our community, absolutely. And they and and we need their presence, and they need our presence.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, Church. so it's it's definitely it's something that you know, if you do not have a faith community of some kind, then find one. And listen, here's the thing. This is what I can't stand that people do. Yeah. They'll, I'll, I'll, I'll have conversations with somebody who says, well, I used to go to church, you know, because that's what happens to you as a pastor. You're <laughs> like, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And then they always, you know, if they don't go to church, they'll tell you right away, well, I used to go to church, but, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, people will say, well, I tried to go back and then I went to a church and then I, it's the same old stuff. And so blah, 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 why bother? And I'm like, well, if you were looking for a car, you know, right. would you just go to I mean, you know, now some people would they'd go to the, the, the first place they'd go. You know, they're impulsive, you know, but that's just but the vast majority of people who are searching for a car are going to shop around. They're going to look they're going to find uh, a, a car that fits them. They're going to find a car that they feel comfortable in that, that this is my car. This is what I want. And you're going to get a good deal. You're going to go to the dealer that's going to give you know. And so we do this in life. Right. right? But then when it comes to church, they go to one church, perhaps they'll go back and visit. Well, I haven't been to church in a long time, so I'm going to go back. And they'll go back and visit and they'll be like, done. I'm not doing that again. Right. And I'm like, why, why would you stop?
1: Yeah. Keep, Keep going looking.
0: until you find the one that speaks to you. Like that, that when you're there, you're like, okay. Um, this, this is, is my this is my you're, place. You're and to
1: your point, it would be like someone saying it, they go to the first car place and they don't like the car they drive, and they say, "Up, oh, that's it. I'm out. No, cars. I'm never driving another I'm car." No, yeah, that's ridiculous.
0: Or, or like with the college, like searching for yeah. college for their kid. Right. You know? I didn't like that one, so, so like, I guess we're not, you're going, not going, to going to college.
1: And honestly, um, in my opinion, humble opinion, church is more important than a car in college. Yep. So that's a good point, Leon. Keep looking, and and if somebody doesn't like us. Like I'm no no problem. Yeah, man. Go, go go find somewhere else. Go some find find somewhere else. I you know we live open handed or try yeah, to. Anyway. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's so being able to to put yourself in a. I guess if you were going to make this a point, it would be place yourself in a situation where you you have to be in community. Amen. You know where it's like this is this is how you know you you can isolate yourself in this culture. We can be isolated um, as much as we want to be, right?
1: Right, but find so. instead find a place where you can be present okay. and experience God's presence.
0: All right. So what else would you say?
1: Um, value the small things. Mm. Um, you know, I, I tend to, and I think we all do, place value on big wins and big moments. Yes. Um, and even big spiritual moments. Um, and one thing I learned about the importance of presence is it happens in the small moments. The small Smile, the small hug, the small kiss, the small uh, looking around and seeing what what God is doing, even in the worst conditions. Um, having a having a way of being that you're looking to see God's presence, um, and that's I'm 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 beginning to believe that it's more evident in the small things than the big things.
0: Yeah, there's a wonderful verse in Zechariah. Um, it says, uh, "Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin." Mm. Um, you know, it, so I, I think a lot of us, we, you know, we we want to have the we want to have the fully formed moments, right? You right. know, we want to get from you know the the little things to the big things. You know, it's like I want to I want to be there, and, and, and we forget that that right big thing
1: am. can just begin with the small moment of right. presence.
0: Absolutely yeah so it seems to me uh, the other thing that I would say, um, you know kind of like riffing off of what you're talking about, so first of all, put yourself in situations where you are in community and where you are going to have opportunities to be present with others um, and then also not to despise the small things, mm-hmm. not to overlook the small things and just to be kind of in the moment
1: exactly. uh, to be able
0: to see I think something else would be just to 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 be open uh, to um, to receiving the presence of God, and then also open to also being present. So an openness, I think, And the mm-hmm. way that you get to openness, at least in my experience, is by uh, constantly having some kind of communication, you know, with with the divine. Amen. You know, um, being oh, able to amen, be in that prayer. So I know, that's, all
1: right. uh, that's all right. That's all right. Get a witness
0: up yeah, in here. Yeah.
1: Well, so, yeah. yeah. One, one of my um, one of my mission partners reflected that um, when he takes the time, the first part of his day. To just spend a little bit of time in prayer, writing down a few things he's grateful for, writing down a few things that he, he's looking for, needing help on, that it, it changes his entire day. And yes. I know that I have that experience. I know that you have that experience. Yes. There's something about beginning your day, being intentional. And it's not just the Christian tradition, right? No. I mean, you know, uh, most faith traditions have a component where you start your day either in meditation or in prayer and that's not an accident. No. It helps you orient yourself and kind of, you know, just like you, you brush your hair and brush your teeth, you kind of dust off your brain and get it ready to see God throughout the day and be more be more present and see his presence.
0: So I think um, you know, from my own experience, I don't know like I would hate to see what kind of because I'm, you know, like sometimes I look at myself and I see the the way that I act or the things that I say or the stupid stuff that I do and you know, and i and I realize I am not fully formed, you know I mean, I am still a work in progress, Praise right? God, I would not even know what my life would be like if I didn't have that moment those moments in the morning.
1: Oh, when you don't get your morning time <laughs> and I'm so glad that you so jealously guard that like i'm right. I'm thankful for that because yeah. I know how important it is to you, and you you've kind of just said, "This is my hour, don't bother me, and I've learned to respect that boundary because I know how important it is to you and what a difference it makes. And you do the same for me.
0: Yeah, and so I think being intentional about, so what, so just kind of the byproduct of that, and at least, and this is my experience, and you can speak to it from yours. But, you know, the idea of starting your day and, and kind of, you know, framing, reframing sort of, you know, even what happened the day before. So there's a lot of reflection that's involved in my process. Like, what happened yesterday? What, what did I experience? What did I see? How is God speaking to me now? Um, you know, like, and when I say God speaking to me, I know that sounds like a super churchy Christian y thing it to does. say, but I will say this. Um, I think God is always speaking. God is always, you know, reaching out to us, God is always uh, revealing God's self in so many ways, and we are just so closed off. You know, I mean and I think there is so a part divine
1: it, hum the, at the all. The hum times. of
0: reverence, right? There's a there's continually
1: a, that we yeah, just we, we tune out.
0: We do. So I think what that does is it leaves you afterwards more susceptible and more aware um, your antennae, right, are up. Uh, you mean after quiet time exactly. in the morning, right? Like right. suddenly right. you're For able sure. to, to be more aware of what, what's going on around you and then to be able to be more present with people, Amen. Uh, to be able to be more open to the presence of God.
1: Right, and so, you know, when you go on a mission trip, you, you, you have fewer distractions. You do. Um, and, and so, of course, if your heart is going to be tender and open, you're going to see the God's presence more because you're not staring at your computer. You can't. Right. Um, so we gotta, we got we to be intentional about trying to create those moments that you get on the mission trip, intentionally create those moments in your, quote, regular life. And this, this way of that we've been talking about of setting your morning off in the right direction is a hugely important Piece of being able to do that,
0: and and I think you know there's a certain amount of cynicism I think that sometimes um, occurs with people who are you know sort of critical of um, you know of, of Christiany stuff and 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 Lord knows I'm probably as critical about christian Christiany stuff as oh, just about I any, am, any. For sure. but you know there's a cyn- there's kind of a cynicism that happens sometimes when it comes to things like mission trips and so forth and like well you went and did that one off thing you had your experience your mountaintop sort of moment. Um, and then, you know, you come back and it doesn't take long before you're back into the same routines you're back in the same stuff. So in terms of, you know, when you have an awakening, when you start to wake up, when you start to realize like, you know, so yeah, you were forced into a situation where you, your technology was limited, your contact with, you know, your business stuff was limited. You were kind of out of your comfort zone. And then you, you know, you were able to sort of see more clearly the burning right. bushes, right, that were all around you um, that had been there all along and you hadn't seen it. You know, right. the, the whole Jacob, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place. I didn't know it. I mean, so you start realizing those kinds of things, but then you come home. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and then um, or, you know, you, you know, let's just break it down. You know, you, you say, Dad gummit I'm gonna wake up every day and I'm gonna have my quiet time and I'm gonna journal and I'm gonna sit in a you know Lotus position and hmm. uh, you know meditate Ring and my do bell. whatever. Yeah. And then you know, you have to go to work. Right. Then the kids have to be woken up. Then, you know, so like how do we maintain this? Like how do you sustain that and not get cynical and go, Well or 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 this, like I will live for the next mission trip. I will live for the next. I just can't wait till I get, you know, so it's my morning time. That's the time that I'm real. Right. The more, you know, that mission trip is when I'm really who I am. And then suddenly people become sort of junkies in a lot of ways. Um,
1: Looking for the spiritual high. Right. All the time, right. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Um, you- so how do we, I mean, I mean, is that, I know it's, that's a whole other podcast, but I think,
1: um, I think it's intentionality. Right, it's just constantly reminding yourself of where you at, where you're at, why you're here. Um, you're here to be present with God and other people.
0: That's, yeah, that, I,
1: that's your purpose. Well, and I think love what, God and serve others.
0: Well, love God, love everybody. Yeah. So I think uh, the Apostle Paul said something really interesting. When I was a kid, I never really understood it, but you know, he wanted of it was one of those verses that's like a really short verse: pray without ceasing, mm. and. Uh, When I was a kid, I was like, "How in the world do you do that?" Because for me, prayer was, um, "I'm gonna stop. We're gonna bow our heads, close our eyes." Dear Heavenly
1: Father, and you used all that "thou" and "thy" language. Remember all that weird (laughs) um, stuff we grew up with? Yeah, where we spoke in the you know King James English for thy many blessings. Like all of a
0: sudden, you know, you're like speaking like like you're in a Shakespeare play. (laughs) You know, it was pretty weird. But but you know, I was like I was like, "How do you do that?" Um, so I think over time what I've come to understand is that, you know that that verse was you know it wasn't it's not just being in an attitude of prayer all day long it, it really is um, just that whole idea like you said of, of um, the, the reverence humming with reverence being in tune with that realizing that everything is spiritual um, that every moment is a is a possible moment where you could be encountering the divine either in someone or in creation or you know, even within yourself. Um, and so, like you said, that intentionality, but I think it's much more than that. I think it's, you know, it's not only just being intentional, it's, it's absolutely just, you know, this is how I'm going to be. I'm going right. to live my life like this. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm constantly going to be in conversation with God. You Making know? it a priority. Yep. So anyway, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Good challenges. All right. So uh, we hope you guys enjoyed our new sound. <laughs> I hope it sounds better. <laughs> I think it does. And uh, we're going to be at this uh, more regularly. And so just kind of... Uh, you know, we promise them that every time. Well, we're going to because here's here's now what we're going to be doing. Good of, right, it's, it's, gonna,
1: it's, it is much easier now to do it. It is.
0: And, 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 and we're going to be doing some interviews with some extraordinary people in our community, in our church. Um, and I uh, want to hear some more stories because I, that is our goal. We want to yep. show um, folks like this is what it looks like when you just... You know, when you're living your your faith out in you know the world, in your career, in your home, in your life, you know, just like making it a
1: part of who you are. Great. All right. Well, awesome. I can't I can't wait for our next conversation.
0: All right. Love Bye you guys. guys. Take Bye. care.